Well, here it is. Happy New Year, everyone. This is Chris Savalera. I'm excited to be with you on the end of year. This is the end of year show. And with me always in the chair to my right, always in the chair to my right, is my good friend, the one who I want to ring in the new year with, Kelly Grayson. KG, how was your holiday season so far? Um, it was good and bad. Of course, I, I'm suffering the effects of the, uh, the ice storm, uh, or the cold snap down here and, uh, didn't, uh, I was at work and, and my house sitter didn't open my taps enough. Uh, and despite the trickle, uh, all my pipes froze and burst. So I have the lovely, uh, um, task of, uh, hiring a plumber on Christmas, uh, to come out and fix things. Um, but on the good news front, a good friend of mine who I uh, served as an expert witness in his uh, in his uh, trial uh, was acquitted of all charges. Uh, his former employer, the sheriff, was trying to railroad him, uh, and uh, the good guys won. So uh, turned out to be a pretty good deal. It's a lot of stuff going on there to depa- yeah. unpack, and I don't know that I even want to try. But Jesus. But uh, your new book is due to come out soon this week. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes, indeed. Let's hear about that really quick. And if you want to contribute to the retirement of Kelly Grayson, this That's is the way right. to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Buy the book and contribute to the double wide fund so I can afford that swanky trailer I've had my eye on for so long. The book is called Kindred. It's book one of the Some Dude Chronicles. Uh, all the public safety and EMS people know who Some Dude is. Well, here's his origin story and the... And the uh, entity who is tasked with sending him back to the pit from whence he arose. Uh, but it's called Kindred, book number one of the Some Dude Chronicles. And Kindle version hopes to, I hope to have that up and uh, available by the end of the week. And with the uh, paperback and hardcover versions available on Amazon within a day or so after that. So if you're wondering what to do, with all those Amazon gift cards people got you because they couldn't figure out what you needed for Christmas. What you need is a copy of Kindred. Uh, and even better, get the whole set, get a bo- uh, get a copy of Perspectives Volume 1 and Perspectives Volume 2 and support some other EMS starving authors out there. Oh my God, that's a big ass. That's a big ass. But, uh, you know, Kelly, as we think about our show today, as we move along into the entertainment, edutainment of what we do here on Inside EMS. We are going to count down the top five stories of 2022. We covered a lot of them. We're going to kind of give them the uh, gas on the uh, end of year show. And we're going to kind of talk about those highlights of the things that uh, we had the opportunity to talk about. And number five in our list of top five is a New York officer on desk duty after handcuffing an EMT in the hospital. This was in July, came out July 15th. The investigator's car was parked Bay when a Monroe ambulance employee hit it, opened her door to unload the patient. You know, one of the things that is really confusing to me is what's going on in this relationship between fire, between EMS, between police, And when this came out, we were all up in arms that this was a ridiculous Mm -hmm. uh, response to something that happens. Someone hit my door today and I was not happy about it, but I'm not going to handcuff them. But, uh, you know, Kelly, I mean, when we think about this and we think about the, um, you know, the extremes that people are going to, it's it's just ridiculous that uh, we're having to deal with this. But 
I don't know what the answer is here, but um, I don't know if you have an opinion. Well, I'm sure you have an I, opinion. You I have, have an opinion, opinion about a lot of things. That's true. Um, you know, I, I don't want to jump on our on our law enforcement brethren. I, I just got through testifying as an expert witness in a, in a case for a, a law enforcement brother in a police brutality uh, or excessive use of force case. Um, so I, I am supporter of cops in general, uh, but there also exists a bit of um, privilege that some uh, officers will will take, uh, and uh, I see this at, at our own base hospitals. We see uh, um, some people with uh, with that shield on the doors park their vehicles wherever the heck they want to, and to heck with everybody else. Um, <clears throat> if you've ever worked in an ambulance scene where there was an assault or something like that, and there are multiple uh, uh, law enforcement officers there, uh, it's pretty obvious that none of them care how you get your stretcher and your vehicle in and out of the scene. Um, and in this case, he parked his, uh, his cruiser in front of an ambulance bay. And it says ambulance bay for a reason. Um, but that's not, you know, that, that sort of thing can be handled with some common courtesy uh, between two professionals. Uh, I don't know what interaction went on between the two, but we've seen, uh, and you and I have talked about incidents between police and EMS uh, that escalated because neither side would back down. Uh, and be the bigger person. And uh, so I, I want to reserve judgment on this. I, I certainly do not agree with handcuffing the EMT because he wouldn't, uh, she wouldn't give her his, uh, give the officer her identification immediately. You got patient care to take care of. Get, you know, you can follow me inside. You were parked here already. Follow me inside, get my name and my driver's license after the fact. You know I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I think this was one of these, uh, I, I, I get the feeling that um, uh, she got handcuffed for disrespect of cop, and that's that's uh, a bad thing. That's something that needs to be addressed. Uh, but hopefully uh, everyone can, can kiss and make up and, and learn to treat each other as professionals in their own right uh, in the future. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a very very uh, bad game to play when we have tension between the uh, fire when we have tension between the uh, EMS agency. I had to reprimand one of my um, employees one time because they were looking for privilege from a police officer mm-hmm. and made the statement when that wasn't working out. Well, I hope I'm not on duty when you get shot in the chest. Oh, that's not good. And uh, that was a very, very close termination for me because that's not how we use our skill. That's not how we use our knowledge. That's not how we use our ability. But it goes both ways. So when we talk about I don't know what's going on with the relationship, we've got to remember that we're a trio of uh, first responder professionals Mm -hmm. that need each other. And uh, we've got to be able to keep on the line of that. But Kelly, why don't you go ahead and give us our number four story of the year. Two medics' credentials were suspended in Texas after a patient died in transport. Uh, This happened with uh, Dallas Fire Rescue. Dallas PD released body camera footage uh, showing the patient being pinned down and uh, Dallas Fire Rescue employees strapping her to a stretcher to transport her to Baylor Hospital. And apparently throughout this encounter, um, they were using the wrong pronouns. Uh, You know... Some people just don't buy that. Uh, there, there are uh, 
political pundits out there and, and people who, who refuse to use uh, appropriate pronouns. And, and I understand coming from Generation X in the South, and we have a, a certain conservative outlook on life, that um, it's hard to make that transition. Uh, to, to go from uh, what you know is or what you have, have known as a biological male and when they uh, reassign or when they when they um, uh, acknowledge their their LGBTQ um, uh, identity uh, and, and start living to be their true, true selves, we, we tend to mess up and keep calling them by their dead name or keep calling them by their old gender. Uh, and, and one thing I've learned is that, man, it, it takes no effort and extra, uh, extra on your part to just be courteous, right? you know? And, and, and if someone says, look, I'm a, I'm an Oak tree. Well, okay. I'll call you Oak tree. Um, if someone says he, her, uh, they, them, I'm going to try my best to call them by their preferred pronouns, uh, because everyone deserves to, to be treated with kindness and courtesy. Um, but, uh, in this, in this one, um, they, they apparently did not respect that. And, uh, but it goes, I think, I think it goes a little bit beyond that too. Right. I mean, I remember when we talked about this, uh, DD hall was 47 years old and, uh, pinned down. And when you watch the video, if I'm not mistaken, Kelly, I think it was like a 40 minute video. And you could obviously see that there's some behavioral challenges in this uh, member that uh, in this patient that they didn't uh, weren't recognizing right away. Right. And I think there were some challenges uh, even from the police side uh, from my my memory uh, call Mm -hmm. or calls. But, you know, one of the things that we have to think about, I think, you know, as you bring up the uh, pronouns, I think it's something that really just where it comes from respect. There are some people that just don't want to live like that in the sense of, uh, you know, males, male, females, female kind of thing. But, you know, it's just respect. Like you say, if you're an Oak tree, I'll call you Mr. Oak tree or excuse me, Mrs. Oak tree. And, but it's no skin off my back to do that. Um, and it's just the right, but I think that one of the things that this really kind of spun out of control on this call, um, because the eventuality was in this transport, um, DD hall 47, she died. Um, I, I, it really comes down to respecting the individual because, Mm -hmm. you know, they, uh, you know, this person, um, was very, very, um, from video, I remember was very, very, um, uh, at a place it seemed that didn't understand yeah. what was going on. And then as police started to get involved and as, as EMS started to get involved, it started to escalate. And um, that's where the escalation led to arrest. You know, then that led to her being pinned down. You know, she was strapped to the stretcher, transported to the hospital. And in that, in that uh, uh, trans transport time is where Miss Hall, um, uh, you know, passed away. And I, I think that we have to be able to just remember people are people. So why should it be you and I just get it? Oh, that's just a song. But I think that no, but really all fun, all fun aside, you know, we've got to be able to remember that to each his own. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're not there to pass judgment. One of the things that I think we do in EMS, I know as I did as a paramedic, uh, an egotistical paramedic was I pass judgment on people mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. You know, well, maybe if you weren't out at three o'clock in the morning, you wouldn't have got your face bunched in. Well, who the heck am I to say that? Well, what right yeah. do I have to, you know, to say that to people? But those are things that I would use. And I think that 
as we get older and as we mature more into EMS, we realize that, um, you know, people are just people, regardless of their color, their ethnicity, their religion, their sex, if they're rich, if they're poor, if they smell. And we've got to treat everybody with the utmost of respect because, you know what, we if we were in that position, that's how we want to act. But I remember this call. I remember this show. Um, I remember the story and, uh, we have to do be, you know, we have to be able to do better. One of the things that we've got to look at and all the stories that we talk about today is that, uh, we have to write things like it's going to show up in the paper tomorrow mm-hmm. and we have to say things like it's going to be on the evening news. And I think sometimes Kelly, we forget that yeah. as we move along into our day, but there are, there are human beings on the other end of that call, uh, besides us. And, and I'll, I'll add in that. <clears throat> that uh this is a broader issue than 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 a couple of firefighter paramedics using wrong pronouns uh you know the 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 news story describes something that very like excited delirium and we've talked about excited delirium in, in the past and how the the goal in in treated the excited delirium patient is de-escalation and to stop the fight and if you've got a patient physically restrained, but you haven't given uh, adequate sedation to stop the fight, then the, the fight continues. It's just patient versus stretcher straps instead of, uh, uh instead of patient versus paramedics. Uh, and that sort of thing that the, the heightened metabolism, the acidosis, the, uh, all the, the sequelae from that, uh, can be deadly. Uh, and I don't know that that was the case here, but, you know, uh, the, the reporting looks like a very much like an in custody death sort of thing. Um, and I can't help but think that under the, the whole de-escalation part of it, how effective might it have been to treat the, uh, treat Miss Hall as a female and call her, her, ma'am, uh, that sort of thing. Chris, how many times have we walked into, nursing homes or care facilities and the, and the staff would say, Oh, they're going to fight you. You, You're going to have a fight on your hands. And you go in there and you treat the patient like a human being with some compassion and there's no fight at all. Yeah. You know, but even even moreover, I mean, I think you're absolutely right is that we don't know, but one of the things that we didn't know on this call either was everybody in in the EMS was going to be talking about it either. Yeah. That's right. We don't know what call we show up on, that could be national news that could be you know you know again the ferguson event in 2014 uh here was a person um who was shot by a police officer that changed the world in how we see it today and uh, we just don't know uh the call that we're going to be on that people are going to be reading about and talking about and passing opinion on so our next story number three uh, mother's lawsuit 23 year old dies in ed area after connecticut hospital ignores him for seven hours according to the suit william miller died on a stretcher at yale new haven hospital after ingesting a substance he believes was laced with fentanyl in 2021 and this came out in august of 2022 i don't know that we picked this story up kelly but i remember reading it and, you know, the concern by the mom that here was her 23-year-old son who went into the hospital and was ignored for seven hours. You know, what's interesting is that our hospital partners, they're overwhelmed, right? Especially again now with the flu and with RSV. And a friend of mine went to the ER with chest pain and uh, her EKG was a little bit, um, 
you're a little bit eyebrow raising. If I, if mm -hmm. I have to, you know, if I'm the paramedic that's responding to that call, I treat it a little bit differently, but they kept her out in the waiting area for three hours before she was able to get a room and they didn't run cardiac markers. They didn't do. And, you know, uh, I guess you could tell a lot from a 12 lead EKG, but uh, you know what, when, you know, a duck is a duck, you call it a duck. And sometimes mm -hmm. you got to treat that differently. And, you know, we think about, uh, you know, what happened in this case. Um, but we've got to remember, I mean, there's a lot going on that's inside that hospital that I may not have a bed for you, but we've got to be able to make the determination, you know, how we're going to take care of members. But in this case, uh, mom lost her son. Um, you know, she's talking about that her son uh, died because of the staff's neglect, uh, that he wasn't designated as a level two status or whatever that was. And they made him wait for seven hours. And I think that, uh, you know, these things happen in our career field. These things happen in the hospital. But one of the things that we've got to remember is to keep track of those patients. Um, you know, the, the, one of the things that they track in the hospital, Kelly, is left without being seen. Mm -hmm. And they take that very, very seriously as a negative mark against them. One of the things that I brought up one time was, you know, if they're leaving, are they really sick? And, um, you know, that's something that kind of raises an eyebrow away. But yeah. when we place somebody in the ER for seven hours, we've got to be able to remember they're there. We got to remember to keep up on them. We might remember to water them and get them a little food and check up on them regularly. Mm -hmm. Because you've heard, as well as I have heard in my career, where people have went into the ER and been placed in the waiting room and they have not uh, made it out alive. Yes. And, and this is, this is a, a, a major boo-boo um, by any stretch of the imagination, a sentinel event, we might call it. Uh, it. It clearly states that he was designated a level two patient, uh, meaning that, that he needed continuous monitoring uh, and and in need of immediate care, yet they they stuck him in a hallway bed and uh, he died seven hours, uh, or they noticed, noticed that he was dead seven hours later. Um you know, hospitals, especially emergency departments, are are have a very tough job. They are inundated with patients, uh, and staffing issues are are horrific. <clears throat> and some of these, uh, the ER staff's job is made even more difficult by administration that doesn't want to pay them a fair wage. Um, they they'll willingly pay uh, four times as much for a travel nurse to come in and, and cover a staff shortage, but will not pay their regular employees anywhere close to that, which is ludicrous in my mind. Um, and, and we're seeing that with, with local hospitals as well, uh, that um, not treating their, their nursing staff well, and they're paying the, the price for it. Uh, the sad thing is, is the EMS system is paying the price for it as well because we are tied up dealing with patients that should by all rights be turned over to the hospital. Uh, and we're trying to be good healthcare partners and, and alleviate some of that burden. Uh, but there's only so far we can go and leaving someone unmonitored on a stretcher for seven hours when they had a, uh, when they supposedly were, um, overdosed on, on an opiate or opioid and were, were, uh, had their breathing restored by Narcan. Um, what do we, what do we know as caregivers, Chris? that the Narcan usually doesn't last as long as the heroin or the fentanyl. Everyone with any sense knows this, and a level two patient should have been monitored. And, and 
<clears throat> I, I hope that uh, this case is resolved in, in uh, uh, equitably uh, for Mr. Miller's family uh, and that uh, uh, important lessons are learned uh, from this, this tragedy. It's, uh, and a tragedy is exactly what it is. All right, let's go ahead and take our number three. Is it number three or I guess number two? Number four, number two, yeah. Yeah, go. All right, we had two Michigan firefighters suspended over delayed response to an EMS call. Uh, took them forever uh, to respond to this call. Um, and one full-time firefighter and one part-time firefighter uh, were suspended after the incident. Uh, apparently, the victim died. Uh, however, uh, the city's investigation determined that the death uh, was not related to their delayed response. Apparently, they missed their first call, uh, missed the tones or slept through them or whatever happened. Uh, they missed the first call. And by the time they, they got the second tone out uh, that they responded to, uh, the delay was, was uh, uh, significant. And uh, they said they just got the call. You know, Chris, I'm going to reserve... Uh, I'm going to reserve judgment in this case because right now I work in an ambulance station where the phone lines uh, are apparently made of paper mache. <laughs> and when it gets wet uh, or wet and cold, our phone is out. Uh, our, our IT people have talked with the phone company and, and the property owner about it. Uh, we've, we've tried multiple times to fix this issue. Um, but there are times when the phone doesn't ring at all when dispatch calls us. And we have a policy that after a certain time at night, uh, they don't call us on the radio. They call us on the phone, uh, because I work a 24 hour shift and they don't expect me to monitor the radio for 24 hours, especially when I'm supposed to be sleeping. Um, but there are times when the phone doesn't ring or there are times when the phone rings and I pick it up and it keeps ringing, even though I've picked it up or pick it up and there's just a busy signal. So we have issues with communication sometimes, but when we have those issues, we make sure that, uh, our, um, our, uh, cellular phones are are on and charged and next to the bed and our radio is turned on and and we if i if we have to listen to everybody else's radio traffic well that's just what we have to do to be pay attention to ours um so it is plausible that these guys missed the first call because it did not go through we'll have to we'll have to determine what the in, investigation shows uh but it it certainly illustrates one thing um Anytime you say that the, the vast majority of EMS calls are not that time sensitive, uh, and I believe that, uh, there's always that one that it might make the difference between life and death for someone. And, yeah, uh, but with that, I mean, we can't we can't flip the coin on those things. Though, no, right? we can't. I mean, we can't. And we need are, more research yeah. so we, we, can, we can make an educated coin flip. Right now, MPDS is like making a coin flip even as it stands right now. But... Um, yeah, we can't flip the coin. We have to treat it as if it's life threatening until we get there. Yeah, and, and, uh, and I've I've been in a situation where I've uh, my pagers were didn't work, and I've missed a call as well. Not certainly of something that uh, you know I slept through. I mean, we've heard about our peers that have slept through calls. I mean, these guys are working overtime after overtime after overtime shift. And uh, they're tired, you know, especially during COVID and now during the flu and the RSV responses. And, yeah. you know, sometimes this happens and sometimes it results in a 
um, you know, somebody who needs EMS that doesn't get EMS. And one of the things that I think that we can do from our side as providers is just to make sure that we're ready to respond and answer any call that comes our way. I mean, one of the things that I've had to coach uh, my employees on is their shoot times, right? Yeah. I mean, just because it comes out as a priority three, as a medical emergency, and you've got, you know, 15 minutes to get on scene, you know, I'm going to take a little bit of extra time getting to the ambulance, a little bit of extra time getting to the, you know, getting to the bathroom and so on and so forth. And, you know, you get woken up at two o'clock in the morning at 57 years old and, you know, you're going to have to hit that bathroom before you get in that ambulance. I was about to say, you know, right. Triggers that response in me immediately. But one of the things that we've got to realize is we've got to take care of other people as we're taking care of ourselves as well. So hit that, you know, hit the bathroom, get in and out as quick as you can, get on the ambulance, respond to the call. And sometimes we're just kicking the dirt because uh, we're getting woken up or we're kicking the dirt because we don't want to take the call. And and again, if we go back to the story that we had a couple uh, minutes ago, Kelly, where we don't know which call is going to have us on the um, news that evening, we got to treat them all like uh, it's a potential uh, uh, risk assessment that we have to be able to be yeah. on the right side of that. And, uh, you know, I don't think we do that sometimes. I think we, you know, kind of let our own frustrations get in the way. I'm not saying this happened in this case by any means. I'm just kind of riffing on, you know, things that could happen, what they could lead to. Uh, but again, we just don't know uh, what call is going to be on the news that day. Yeah, but it, but but you're right. You know, it's human nature when you run a thousand calls and 999 of them are BS uh, uh, to to treat that one uh, thousandth call as if it were. And uh, you know what? I'm a backup. I'm not going to say BS, okay? Um, I'm going to say not time sensitive because, to, to my mind, there is no such thing as a BS call. Uh, there are calls that do not tax our abilities and our 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 uh, our smarts that much, um, but they're not BS to the patient. Uh, so there are, there are a great many calls that are not time sensitive, and we we often lose sight of the fact of the ones that are. Uh, because our our sense of pattern recognition goes, yeah, this is another one of those type of calls, uh, and we forget that uh, many times that we arrived on scenes and the patient was far worse than dispatch information uh, uh, indicated, uh, and vice versa. Uh, hopefully, this investigation finds out why they missed the first call, uh, and appropriate actions will be taken either to make sure they get the calls or to make sure that. Uh, if they did get the call that they didn't sleep through it or they didn't ignore it. So let's go to number one. The number one story for 2022 came out of Shreveport, Louisiana, Kelly. An air ambulance pilot refused to fly in dangerous conditions, and feds say the company retaliated. Uh, Metro Aviation was ordered to reinstate the Utah pilot and pay $188,000 in back wages and damages following an OSHA investigation. And I really liked this story. And the reason that I liked it is because the pilots who fly those helicopters have to be able to say, I am not putting this bird in the air. Mm -hmm. We put crews in jeopardy every time we launch a helicopter. You know, where we talked about we don't know what call is going to wind up on the news. We don't know when we're going to launch a helicopter. They're going to wind up on the ground uh, in a crash site. And for the pilot to say, um, you know, I'm not going to put this in the air. Uh, and this pilot, you know, he refused 
twice to fly over worries of dangerous conditions. I don't know who's better equipped to make that call than the pilots, mm -hmm. the pilot at the controls. You know, in this case, uh, supposedly um, because of the pilot's refusal, the Department of Labor says that Metro Aviation uh, forced them to resign, to retire, or be involuntarily separated from the company. And decisions were made based on that. Then after the investigation, um, you know, the uh, federal government came back and said, you know what, I don't know that this was right, and I think we need to do the right thing here. But, Kelly, I applauded this when I read it. Um, I have known friends of mine that, that have had some close calls in a helicopter, and uh, I think this was one that we really need to remember, that the person who is going to be at the controls has to be able to say, I ain't doing it. Yeah. And uh, a lot of, lot, of, lot of accidents happen because uh, uh, those birds lift off the ground. And like I said, man, I applaud the pilot for making this call. Yeah. Uh, you know, many, many, many years ago when I was a young and, and center paramedic, uh, I, I was uh, on a flight to an offshore oil rig. And we flew through by by choice because they thought they could do it. Uh, we threw, flew through a pretty nasty thunder cell. And that was the fright, most frightened I've ever been in my life. Uh, and I was too young and, and cocky and ignorant to understand the uh, three to say go and one to say no uh, rule. Uh, and apparently uh, the, the air ambulance company in this case uh, um, ignored that and uh, uh, ignored the concerns of the pilot of the aircraft uh, and wanted him to go. You know, I get my at, at my agency. We have we have our medics that roll their eyes when our air med is not available. Uh, and well, you know, there's a cloud in the sky, three hundred miles away. We can't get a helicopter, and and that's hyperbole. But were it me as one of the helicopter uh, 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 aircraft uh, air crew? Um, I would want exactly that kind of safety standards. Uh, I don't want to be flying when it's iffy uh, because uh, you look at the, the cause of air ambulance crashes in this country and, and the vast majority of them are controlled flight into terrain under bad weather conditions. <laughs> you know, bad weather kills people. And I certainly wouldn't want to be the one to, to insist on a bird uh and um and, and have them die because uh they they went down in bad weather we all know that uh that <clears throat> as as ground crewmen there are some ground uh ems crews will say call company such and such because they'll they'll company y x will fly when company y won't um and and they neglect to ask themselves why uh and if there is any additional risk incurred uh by flying when another uh, provider won't uh, and I applaud this pilot for for standing up for himself and and keeping safety at the forefront because way too many of our brethren die in helicopter accidents and that should not be the case. Yeah, it's not even just our air ambulance. I mean, we we think about Kobe Bryant and uh, trying to get to a game with yes. his kids, and you know, I mean, it's just dangerous when these birds get in the air. But you know, Kelly, that's it, man. Five stories, the top five stories. You and I have talked about a lot of them. And we are looking forward to uh, 2023, where we start the 10th year of Inside EMS. You and I will be at the 10-year 10, 10 mark about May. 
end of doing this show. And I got to tell you, I appreciate you as a partner. I appreciate everybody who's out there listening. Remember, we take our holiday break after this uh, show. And our next show back will be January 13th. Go ahead and listen to us then as we start year 10 of Inside EMS. But Kelly, for the last time of 2022, do your thing. Yep. And folks, we appreciate your listenership. And we hope that 2023 brings many blessings to you. And it's not quite the dumpster fire that 2020, 2021, and 2022 were. Uh, we wish you many blessings and a clean slate to start the new year. And don't forget, bye, Kindred. <laughs> but for myself and co-host Chris Ciballero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS for the last almost 10 years. We'll catch you guys in a couple of weeks. <laughs>